We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on tonight. Hope hope everybody's doing well. Um, enjoying a great Sunday evening. Um, hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed this past Saturday of college football. Um, I'm excited to have uh, Chappie back on the show today. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm great, Bobby. Like we were talking about off-air recently, I'm excited for the month of November. I mean, you take football out of the equation, and I still love the month of November uh, because it's, it's kind of the gearing up for my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, and then that's leading into the holiday season. You know, I'm a big Christmas uh, aficionado, and I know most people say that, but I've been listening to, to holiday music ever since, like, July. I've even started watching some of the Christmas movies because I feel like there's so many now i got to get them all in. But obviously the, the big thing is the college football, and we've got, you know, basically Tuesday through Saturday college football on primetime TV. We've got the college football playoff rankings coming out, which I know is going to cause more uh, vitriol than uh, victory, but that's, that's what makes the sport great, and, and mm-hmm. we can – talk about it you and i on a platform like this so i appreciate you having me on absolutely i i first gotta say uh you and my wife need to meet then when it comes to the christmas uh side (laughs) of things because that's that's how she is as well um awesome i i know completely off topic but you're you're from michigan i'm from michigan i'm sure you've been to frankenmuth many many times um and bronner's there in frankenmuth is a a treasure (laughs) Yeah, I actually, my, my daughters and I were there last weekend, and we went specifically because the two of them are, are always in early into the spirit, and so they said, you know, Daddy, can we can we go to Bronner's? I want to pick out a new ornament, and I just want to kind of um, hear that Christmas music, and I want to see all the decorations and whatnot, and so I was like, cool, let's go, road trip. So That's yeah, awesome. So we, we took a, a small jot out there, and it was a great time. I love that. And and for those of you who don't know who aren't from Michigan, like the two of us, Bronner's is the world's biggest Christmas store. It is in Frankenmuth, Michigan, and it is it is an amazing place. It is truly an amazing place. <laughs> but we're here to talk about college football. And like you said, uh, the month of November is just, it's the best. And when I had you on the show before, we talked a lot of Mac football, and I thought it was the perfect timing with... November starting and Maction starting this week to just have you back on and just kind of go through the fun that is Mac football again. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit more than just that too. Yeah, looking forward to it. I, I, I think I think the first thing that we can get started with is uh, I, I would love to hear, and we were kind of talking about this off air a little bit, but your thoughts on the Michigan Michigan State uh, situation that went on last night uh obviously not the way you want to end a football game no it's i mean it was 
it's great to see any rivalry heated between fans, between players and teams, between coaches. I think that's one of the biggest things that separates the college game from the professional game, at least as we stand right now. I know college is starting to become a little bit more professionalized, but, you know, I, I, I stop at every point when it gets to be violent, uh, especially when it's outside of the paint. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. football is a violent sport, and between the lines, as long as it's legal and as long as there's no uh, deliberate malice, then, you know, you take that. But, um, you know, the logistics at Michigan Stadium are not great when it comes to entering the field and then also leaving the field. And so while what we saw transpire, and of course, I'm just going off of the, the videos, the reports that I read, um, not being a, a firsthand observer there, so I don't want to come off as though I'm an expert on that. But, um, you know, there, there's people at fault here more than just the individuals who are uh, taking part in that altercation. Um, I, I really hope that both universities investigate and, and law enforcement investigates, and this is something that is prevented uh, from a logistical standpoint, but also from an emotional standpoint, um, I, I just uh, I don't think that there's any excuse, nor is there there should there be any tolerance for behavior like that. And I'm not going to sit here and say it's all one side or the other. Um, clearly, whenever something like that happens, there's there's things that kind of there's a give and take, there's a back and forth on both sides. Um, but you know, fortunately, it, it doesn't appear as though. Um, anybody was was grossly hurt in this situation, and uh, we we were we at least had a, a, a clean game for the most part on the field. Uh, I know Spartan fans did not like the outcome, but um, I mean realistically, I think that most people, myself included, expected a a pretty dominant game from the Wolverines on the field, and they continue to be in my top four in teams nationally. They they're just a good looking bunch this year. I absolutely agree on everything you said there. I mean, like you said, from a logistical standpoint, Michigan Stadium is difficult. I mean, it is with the one tunnel, and it's not like you're going to go build another tunnel and other locker rooms and all this and that. So, I mean, they they, they got to come up with something to kind of kind of stop this from happening because it, it seems like it's happening way more frequently and, and, and yeah. I, I understand. Yeah, I mean, even, even with Penn State the week before, yeah. I mean, this, is, yep. this is not like this is something brand new. So I'm, I'm really kind of surprised that there wasn't something put in place after what happened with uh, the two teams um, between Penn State and Michigan. And now this goes on. I mean, the you've got to anticipate that it's going to be even chippier with your in-state rival, especially a school that's down this year and uh, a bunch of bruised egos on the other side. So – that's where I'm really flabbergasted uh, more than anything at this body. I agree with you. I mean, like you said, the the week before there's an issue and, and you don't put anything in place for your in-state arch rival when you know it's going to be heated. So that, that it's head scratching to me. Yeah. And I, I, I also agree with you with having Michigan in the top four. I, I think our top four is pretty much identical. I want to say I, I looked at yours before I came on the air and I see you have Tennessee at number one. And I myself moved Tennessee up to number one this week, just because you beat five ranked top 25 teams. I think you're deserving. 
Yeah, for sure. Especially, I mean, everybody's going to point to the Alabama win, and that was certainly a very strong data point. But the way that they went into Baton Rouge and Absolutely. completely handled the LSU Tigers, who are a 6-2 and two football team, I have LSU actually ranked at 13 nationally because their numbers, the analytics on them, they, they look really good offensively. They're getting better defensively. Um, you know, some people now want to take the pit victory away, but you went on the road and you won at Heinz Field at a point where not a lot of people really knew what to think of either team. And, and I do hold that there should be some credence given to when a, when a team plays an opponent that has a number next to their name, regardless of how it turns out, because, you know, I know you can relate to this being a former athlete and also being a former coach. There's a lot of psyche that goes into when you mm-hmm. know that you've got a team that there's high expectations for, and that takes a, a little extra to get up for, um, which is why those rankings are important at the beginning of the season. So even if Pitt fails to make a bowl game this year, the fact that they went on the road and they beat a ranked Pitt team, a defending conference champion uh, Pitt Panther team, I think that's saying something for Tennessee. And, I mean, offensively, nobody's really been able to stop them right now. And you know what Jalen Hyatt can do, but against Alabama and against Kentucky now, two respected defenses, I'm starting to call him the ghost because it's like (laughs) once he starts his route, he disappears. The defense can't find him. And then he winds up in behind the back seven and he's in for six. I mean, his numbers are ridiculous and they know that he's the, the, the best threat there, but he's still getting it done. So credit to that offense, credit to Alex Gullis, the offensive coordinator and Josh Heupel, the head coach, uh, Hendon Hooker is playing completely efficient football, mm-hmm. and you know their defense is starting to get after it too. I mean, Byron Young was a force against Kentucky, and Will Levis, who they say is a first-round draft pick, but he threw three interceptions. So, I mean, they're they're getting solid play on both sides of the ball, and their special teams are pretty good as well. Absolutely spot on. I mean, I, I, whenever. Like you said, the rankings are are important at the beginning of the year. They just are because for so many reasons. But like like you said, I mean, what it takes as a coach and as a player to get to get ready for those ranked games on the road. I mean, because at the beginning at the beginning of the year, the, that pit team was one of the better teams in the country. They've had a ton of injuries, but so so it's it, it might not look like what it looked like then but at the same time i mean to go into that environment and get that victory was an extremely impressive victory and then what they've now been able to do you mentioned the lsu game to me that that's just as impressive to me as the alabama win because the way they they just absolutely destroyed lsu in death valley yeah yep absolutely and you know even I will also throw out there, and, and I'm not breaking any ground here, but um, teams are a lot different now than they were in week one. And mm-hmm. the point I'm getting to is, you know, people will point to Georgia and say, well, Georgia should be number one because they destroyed an Oregon team who's ranked seven, and Oregon's playing probably some of the best football right now. That was a completely different team yes. <laughs> uh, mentally in Oregon that first week than now. So right now, if, if Georgia played Oregon on a neutral field, I think that that game's a lot closer, and a big reason why is Bo Nix. So, um, you know, while that was an impressive victory, I still think that what Tennessee has done recently in the last month, you talked about LSU, we talked about Alabama, we talked about Kentucky, 
I think that's more impressive than what Georgia did against a uh, a fresh new coaching staff and a fresh new unit rolling out there for the Ducks in Week One. They're a lot better team than they are than they were at that point. They're playing lights out right now. Yeah, yeah, they are. And Bo Nix deserves some Heisman mention. He's not yes. going to finish in the top three, I don't think. I mean, maybe he'll sneak in at, at three, but uh, I think that the uh, the winner of the Michigan Ohio State game. Whoever has a better performance, C.J. Stroud or Blake Corum, I think they're definitely going to be in the top three. And then Hendon Hooker, as long as Tennessee can at least go through the rest of the season with uh, no more than one loss, whether it's to Georgia or whether it's in the SEC championship, then you almost have to give Hendon Hooker and maybe even Jalen Hyatt um, mm-hmm. a, a spot in that top three as well. But, but Bo Nix deserves a lot of the recognition, and it's too bad for him that he's playing out on the West Coast where – a lot of eyeballs are sleeping at that point from the Rocky Mountains over east. But fanatics like you and I, we, we, we look at it, even if it's the next day or later that week, and, and we see the numbers he's putting up. I mean, six total touchdowns this past weekend, three throwing and three on the ground. And that's when Oregon failed in three red zone trips. So they, they beat Cal 42-24. It could have been a lot more lopsided than that. Absolutely. And just this past week, heading into this week, I put him in my top five for the Heisman just because I've been so impressed with what he's done. Um, I I personally was not a fan of his at all. Um, Just at Auburn, it just didn't work out, obviously, but he has really turned a corner at Oregon. And somebody who needs to get more recognition is Kenny Dillingham. So he was the OC at Auburn when Nix was a freshman there. And that was Nix's best season in terms of numbers, in terms of how he looked passing the eye test. So the the reuniting of those two, I think, has, has been a big part. And Bo Nix has mentioned that a few times. And so when you're looking at Broyles Award candidates, there's a lot this year, but... Kenny Dillingham, the OC at Oregon, certainly deserves a, a finalist look there because I think he's put that confidence back in Bo Nix and he's scheming things to where Bo can just have fun playing football, which is what he said he's been doing the last uh, seven games. That's a great point you just made there. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not a side of things that guys that aren't fanatics like us, like you said, that aren't – they don't look at that aspect of it. <laughs> no, no. And it's, you know, and maybe it's having been a coach, but I, I've always appreciated the coaches who are um, not head coaches, you know, like, so the coordinators, the quarterbacks, coaches, the strength and conditioning guys, um, and, and any good head coach, Nick Saban, Bear Bryant, uh, Joe Paterno, Eddie Robinson, you can list any of your favorites, Bo Schembechler. And they'll be quick to tell you that they're only as good as their assistants and they're only as good as their staff. And, and Dan Lanning certainly made a, a wise hire by bringing Dillingham over to uh, Eugene. 100%. <clears throat> well, I, I guess we can shift our focus now onto the Mac, like like uh, like we were kind of talking about earlier. Um, yeah. I, I know heading into the season, obviously, we were both very high on NIU. Um, and unfortunately for the Huskies, they've just been decimated by injuries. Uh, so yeah. it's been a rough road for them. Yeah, it has. And, I mean, it's, they 
to see them still be able to start to run the football again well, I mean, they've always been able to run the football well. Their problem this year has been defense. I mean, yeah. they're bad defensively. And, and I know Lombardi's been hurt on offense, but, you know, um, they were the beneficiary of winning some close games last year, credit yeah. to head coach Thomas Hammock um, and, and quarterback Rocky Lombardi. And, you know, you do there is that factor of luck and health and good fortune in the game of college football. And they seem to be on the, the wrong side of that this year. I, I thought that they would be a shoe in to top their uh, seven game win total as Vegas projected at the beginning of the year, maybe mm-hmm. seven and a half. But um, I mean, right now they sit at two and six, they've got to win out to just qualify for a bowl. And that's going to be a, a tall order. But uh, you know, if there's any team that has uh the, the fight of the dog in them, no pun intended, that's the, the NIU Huskies. And so, um, yeah, right now they sit opposite of where many people thought they would be at the end of the season. They're, they're in last place right now in that West. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, this is not a place where anybody thought that they were going to be. But I do agree with one point that you made for sure on the, getting a little bit lucky. I mean, it, it, and it takes that uh sometimes to to have the successful seasons that some of these teams have and i mean they they had i believe over 70 freshmen and sophomores play last year so i mean there is something to that yeah there is well and you know i think it speaks too to the parody of this league i i don't know the year i want to say it's dating back to like 2000 2010 maybe maybe a little before then the only team in the 14-team conference of the, the MAC who has not made it to Detroit for the MAC championship game is Eastern Michigan. And going into this Saturday, they had a chance <laughs> yeah. to control their own destiny and just could not hold on against Toledo. They, they lost that game by seven points on a touchdown pass to a backup fullback under a minute to go with a backup quarterback. Um, you know, so, well, Toledo at the top of the West right now is not as much of a surprise. I mean, you look at how everything else shapes out, uh, Ball State's in second, then Western, Central, um, Eastern Michigan are all there, and, and any one of those teams could finish uh, second in the league. And then you got NIU down at the bottom at two and six, one and three in the league. But again, they went out and, and they could shift their way up to the top and, and you know, like, like I said, qualify for a bowl at six and six. But what I found interesting is no team in the Mac West has won consecutive games in the month of October. That's crazy. Wow. I mean, with uh, four Mac games into it and none of those teams that we rattled off who are successful programs with some successful coaches. I mean, you talk Jason Candle at Toledo, uh, Chris Creighton at Eastern Michigan, Thomas Hammock at Northern Illinois. Jim McElwain at Central, uh, you know, I'll throw the rest out there. Uh, Mike New at Ball State, and then um, why am I drawing a blank on Western's head coach? Probably because I'm a, a Central guy. Lester. Um, <laughs> Tim Lester, yeah. Yep. Those are all good coaches. They've been there for a while. So um, it's not to say that any of those teams are bad this year. I think it just once again shows the parity, and that's where as a Mac guy, like it, it makes my ch- stomach churn when I hear – some of these national people talk about how bad the MAC is. I think when you're talking about the MAC, it truly is a league where anybody can win, not because everybody is a poor team, but because every program is so competitive and you've got this good leadership at the top and you've got these guys with something to prove who 
were overlooked by some of the Power 5 programs and maybe even some of the upper-level G5 programs, and that's why midweek matching is so exciting to watch, and that's why you know I'm giving myself goosebumps knowing that Tuesday night we kick that off. 100%. I mean, it, it, it upsets me, too, the, the rap that the MAC has on a national level. I mean, I... <clears throat> I, I don't understand it because, I mean, like you said, every team is competitive. I mean, there's, there's been some years where there's been some weak links, but the the coaching right now on the MAC is is just an extremely high level. I mean, people look at Akron and say, yeah, they're, they're down, but like Joe Moorhead is a fantastic football coach, and that program is going to be yeah. going to be going before we know it. Yeah, they are, and and they've got you know some some skilled players on that offensive side now, especially DJ Irons is you know a pretty good quarterback and and gives them a couple different threats. But Alex Adams and Shockey Jacques Louis, two um, two guys who came from LSU and from Pitt respectively, and Louis was on Pitt's ACC title team last year. So those guys are are, are playing well. Bubba Arslanian is the leading tackler in the MAC, so they've got guys that can play well. I just think that, I mean, first of all, Akron had kind of a, a gauntlet of a non-conference, yeah. and then you got to go right into the MAC, where, like we just said, uh, it's really competitive. And I will, I will put my paycheck on the fact that you match up any team from the MAC against any team from Conference USA. The MAC is probably going to win seventy percent of those games. So when you're when you're talking about a conference that maybe is considered to be the the bottom of college football, the MAC I think is is clearly better than Conference USA from a top to bottom standpoint when you when you look at every team across the board. Absolutely, and and I would argue that it's not even close. No, no, it's not. Yeah, like I said, I, I would put my my dollars on about seventy percent of the MAC teams winning a head to head matchup on a neutral site. And I'm not talking in a bowl game because as we know bowl games are so cheapened nowadays. Yeah. But if you had like a uh, uh, some sort of contractual thing where uh, the MAC plays against Conference USA, whether it's week four or whether it's in the middle of the season, kinda like how the SEC plays division three teams. I'm <laughs> I'm being uh, hyperbolic of course, but um, yeah, I, I think the Mac would would win that hands down, and I agree with you. It's not even close. Right, absolutely, and I mean, we looked at at the beginning of the year, kind of going through. Uh, we went through every team, but um, I, I I remember specifically um, uh, you picking Miami Ohio to beat Northwestern, and. I believe we said NIU over Vanderbilt too, which that would have happened if Rocky Lombardi didn't get hurt. So right. we're, we're, we're used to seeing the Mac compete against power five teams. Like it, it's, it's not, it's not like something that's mind blowing or it shouldn't be mind blowing to people. Right. No, it shouldn't. And I mean, it, it hasn't just happened in the last few years. I mean, uh, NIU, went down to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. And granted, they were kind of between coaches, but I don't care who's coaching for the Tide. You know that they always get that top-tier talent. Mm -hmm. And so for a MAC team like Northern Illinois, who for a long time was really at the bottom of the MAC, who was considered to be at the bottom of, of FBS football, to go down there and get that win uh, is, is really big. And, and the MAC, I think this was the... Uh, they've beaten a Big Ten team every year um, since going back to, I want to say, like, um, almost a decade. So they 
they've proven that they can go and play on the road again during the regular season, not in a in a bowl game where players are now opting out or you've got players hitting the transfer portal and uh, other certain circumstances. Right, right. Well, I, I know that obviously we're both extremely excited for midweek match and to be starting up this week. So I, I would love to hear your thoughts kind of going into, I mean, we're at the halfway point of the max schedule, but I, I would love to kind of hear your thoughts kind of going into the rest of the way and how you kind of maybe see it shaping out and, uh, this week we got Ball State at Kent State, Buffalo at Ohio on Tuesday, and then Wednesday we got Central Michigan at NIU and Western Michigan at Bowling Green. Yeah, so I think Bowling Green is, is certainly a team to keep eyeballs on from the east. I mean, Buffalo is at the top there right now. They've won five in a row after starting off 0-3, but they played Maryland um, in the in the opener. They played Coastal Carolina, so they played a, a, a pretty tough non-conference schedule um but they won their final non-con game and they they've won their first four games in the max so they they're hot right now but bowling green is right there at three and one in the league tied with ohio for second place the the bobcats have won three in a row bowling green is playing pretty good defense uh they're number one in the mac in sacks and Matt McDonald is, you know, I would put him as my third team all Matt quarterback right now. He's completing 58% of his passes for 231 yards a game. I think he's got like 16 touchdowns and just three interceptions. So he's playing smart with the football. Uh, you know, he's, he's hitting a good cast of wide receivers, and they're using their tight ends as well. Their offensive line is protecting him uh, pretty good. And then, like I said, their, their deep Carl Brooks has – 12 tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks. Both are tops in the in the conference. So, you know, the Falcons, that's going to be a, a, an interesting matchup on November 15th mm-hmm. on a Tuesday night where they they travel to Toledo. And granted, they, they each play on opposite sides of the MAC, which uh, kind of stinks. I wish that they were both in the same division, but at least they um, they play each other almost every year. I, I know it's not a perennial thing, which stinks. Um so keep an eye on Bowling Green, and, and I'm going to try and attend that matchup, too. I've never been to the Battle for I-75, but I'm going to do everything I can to make it to that one on Tuesday night, and then the following night, the Central Western game uh, for the Victory Cannon out in Mount Pleasant. So, um, you know, but uh, Buffalo controls their own destiny in the East, and, you know, they're they're playing physical football. Credit to Mo Lindquist, who has that program right back where Lance Leipold kind of left it a couple years ago and uh you know they they've got to play at ohio um on tuesday which is uh which is going to be really really important that's that's going to be a matchup that kind of controls the east going forward the winner that obviously controls their own destiny um they beat bowling green head to head and then ohio i believe still has to play the falcons so that's really a three-team race in the east And, and i'm looking at it now ohio plays bowling green on november 22nd on a Tuesday night, so that's another midweek matching game that we get to, to feast on. Uh, in terms of the West, I think it's Toledo's right now, not only because they're at the top of the standings, but even if they were um, neck and neck with a, a team right now, I still think Toledo's got the most talent. They have one of the best offenses in the league, one of the best defenses in the league, and Jason Candle is a solid coach. Now it's just a matter of finishing and not tripping over their feet like Toledo has been known to do the last couple of years. 
and it's and it's weird that they've been doing that too just because they they yeah. have they have that history and like you said i mean they have the the players that's for sure yeah and and you know looking at their schedule the rest of the way they've got ball state um on november 8th at home bowling green at home and then they finish the year on a uh, friday at western michigan on a friday night so Playing at Waldo Stadium can be a little bit tricky, but at that mm-hmm. point, depending on uh, how everything else goes in the MAC West, which it seems like it might cannibalize itself, by November 25th, Toledo might have the West sewn up. So whether they win or lose that game against Western may not matter. They may have already punched their ticket to Detroit at that point anyway. So you already you already said a couple of the of the games that you're looking at going to. Is there is there anywhere anyone else on that upcoming schedule that you're going to be either looking to attend or you have it lined up that you're going to be going? Yeah, so I, I'm going to see what I can do, and obviously, um, you know, life happens and work right. happens. Yep. But um, you know, I, I I'm going to try and make it maybe out to the. Ball State Toledo game at the Glass Bowl on November eighth, um, or possibly Northern Illinois at Western Michigan on November 9th. And again, I'm, I'm trying to, to pick those games within close proximity, make it out, and then make the trip back. Which some people are like, you know, you're crazy. Why would you drive that late at night? But that just shows the the passionado that I am for not only college football but MAC football especially. And you know, I've I've been to Kelly Shorts. And um, I visited Peden Stadium in Oxford, Athens, Ohio, and I visited um, Waldo Stadium at Kalamazoo, but I've never been to an actual game at anywhere except for Kelly Short Stadium, home of the Central Michigan Chippewa. So I'm trying to cross these off my bucket list and just soak in the, the MAC atmosphere and hoping I can get at least two games, hoping for four, though. I went to Waldo Stadium when they played Pitt this year, and I I have to tell you that was one of the more electric atmospheres I've ever that I've honestly ever been to, and and I'm I'm yeah it it was amazing, and I understand it's a P five team coming to town, so it's a big deal, and and it's not like that during the midweek matching games, but it it was I I was so impressed by the turnout. Yeah, they I mean the fans love the Broncos out there, whether they are contending for the MAC title or whether they are having a bit of a down year. But I will say, and this is not to disparage the, the city of Kalamazoo, there's not a whole lot else out there. So True. going to a college football game is certainly something that would be a, a more prime ticket in town. And I know Grand Rapids is not too far away. Um, and, and I have some close friends who, you know, went to Western and they'll the same thing, you know, that uh, it, when when you're on campus or when you're in the area and Western playing football, even post-PJ Fleck days, it's still uh, an exciting thing to do. And that's one of the other great things about these MAC programs is their student body does a pretty good job. I mean, when I watch a program like UCLA and they can't even get to half capacity in the Rose Bowl, but then you look at all these other MAC schools and they're over half capacity for a team that may not even play for a bowl game, may not even uh, be – uh, look at anything in their conference race this year, these MAC fans and MAC students, they love their football. And I think that says something about, you know, the area we live in, the Midwest, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio. These are blue-collar states where they love their football and it never gets old. I couldn't agree more with that. And as somebody who lives in Illinois but is from Michigan, I am 100% on that train. <laughs> Bingo. 
how, how about this one on Wednesday when we have Central Michigan playing against NIU where both teams are two and six and the loser will be eliminated from bowl eligibility? I think I think that one is probably one of the more surprising things heading into Maction. Yeah, um, especially, you know, I caught some flack from family members and uh, CMU Chippewa fans when, when I did not take Central to be one of the top teams in the West. And they said, well, look what they did last year. You know, Lou Nichols leads the country in rushing. Uh, we went to the Sun Bowl. We beat Washington State. Um, you know, everything was, was looking really good coming in. But, you know, I, I'm not sold, I wasn't sold on the losses that they had up front. I mean, when you lose two guys to the NFL on your offensive line, that, that hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, when I looked at the, the competing talent in the MAC, I thought NIU was going to be one of the more talented teams, at least in terms of roster talent and experience. Um, and so now you have them in a, in a position where, like you said, they're, they're fighting for bowl eligibility. And I think, you know, advantage to the Huskies here, especially because now they're getting some guys back. And, um, you know, CMU really has Lou Nichols. But beyond that, when he's not effective, the Chippewas have not been effective. And so I think that this is going to be a game where uh, Coach Hammock is going to do everything he possibly can because, like you said, he's fighting for bowl eligibility. And, you know, playing out there in DeKalb, Central has learned is, is not a, an easy ticket. And really every team in the MAC has learned that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, giving my early pick here, I, I've got to go with NIU in this one, but I'll, I'll make the official one on, on Twitter when we come up to it. Absolutely. And, and I, of course, I always look forward to to your your picks and, and your insight and everything just because you, you're usually spot on. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I try to be. And, you know, that's that's the biggest thing. You know, I what I love most about what I do is the research behind it, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's what I try to provide. And, and it's, it's good to hear that. You know, it means something because, you know, I, I always look forward to digging deep and finding things more than just the X's and the O's, more than just, you know, what the numbers say this year, going back into history, thinking about uh, all the uh, the psychological effects that come into play. And, and again, I think that's where, much like you, having been a former coach and also a former athlete, you've seen it from both aspects, and, and that can sometimes factor into the picks that I make as well. And, and usually I'm, I'm more wrong than right. Although um, don't want to put myself out there as any kind of a uh, uh, guru. So <laughs> what are your, what are your thoughts on, I, I went to uh, Muncie, Indiana a couple weeks ago, UConn played at ball state and yeah. uh, I, I, ball state gets a bad rap and Muncie, Indiana gets a bad rap as a whole. But I, I I was so impressed by I've, I've never been to a stadium and have fans thank me for coming to a game. Even when I'm, I, I was wearing a UConn hat just because of the work that I do with UConn football and everything. Uh, yeah. it, it, I've, I've never been to a stadium where, where the opposing fans thanked me for coming. I just thought that was such an amazing thing. Yeah. And you, you hear that uh, every now and then. Uh, I mean, Nebraska is a fan base that I hear of. And being a Northwestern guy, Nebraska is a team that I consider one of Northwestern's rivals. But those fans welcome you. 
and they just love the fact that you are like them. You're a fan of the game, mm-hmm. and regardless of what the scoreboard reads, I mean, you love hearing stories like that, and um, that's where so many times the headlines will want to gravitate towards the negative. You know, case in point, the the issue that we talked about between Michigan State right, and Michigan. Right. But I think more often we need to hear about these fan bases. And I'm sure that you've done this online, Bobby, to, to make that point that, hey, um, Ball State fans, you do it the right way, yes. regardless of where your team is. And shout out to the the Cardinals and Mike New. I mean, they're 4-4, four and 2-2 four, two and two in the MAC right now. And this was a team that I thought – um, I wasn't for certain about how the rest of the Mac West was going to look, but I thought I was certain that Ball State just they lost too much and they were going to need to rebuild this year. But they're right there in the thick of things, and you know while they are two and two in conference play, they still have first place Toledo on November eighth. They have to play Ohio and then Miami of Ohio, so the, and Kent State before that. So they have a gauntlet, especially against offenses that really like to throw the ball and light it up so if they can go three and one in that stretch um they're looking at going back to detroit and wouldn't that be something for mike news team when most people myself included really didn't give them any sort of a fighter's chance this year myself included i thought it was a lock that they were going to be in last place in the west yeah and again that it's not to say that ball state i thought ball state would be bad i just really thought that Toledo, Eastern, Central, Western, and um, NIU were all going to be that much more talented. Mm-hmm. And Ball State might lose a lot of close games, but I thought that the talent level and the experience on those other five squads were going to be just a little bit better than the Cardinals. Maybe they sneak a game here or there, but they've, they've snuck more than that. And again, credit to Coach New and that Ball State Cardinal program. 100%. <clears throat> One one question, one more question for you, and this is not Mac related. I, of course, you know, I live in Illinois. W- yeah. What are your thoughts on the Illinois Fighting Illini and Chase Brown having an opportunity at the Heisman Trophy? Well, let me preface this, uh, listeners, by saying that I am a Northwestern yes, guy. So yes, yes. <laughs> speak anything positive about the Illinois Fighting Illini takes a lot, and there has to be a lot to them for me to give them any praise, but I I will say I am happy for Coach Bielema and the Illini because they're doing it in a way that really speaks to my heart. They've got awesome defense. They've got a physical offensive line, a great running back in Chase Brown, who, by the way, is a former Harry Lunny has that offense just a lot more dynamic this year. Tommy DeVito's not making mistakes. move against so I'm, I'm happy for the Illinois fans I'm happy for the Big Ten to to see that there's a team and and they're still not getting the love nationally and they should be mm-hmm. but this is a team I think I have a 16th that aside from Michigan on November 19th they should be able to easily win the rest of their games and make it to Indianapolis and that defense is going to be something that Ryan Day is going to have to prepare for and for them to uh, potentially play the Illini after a physical game, win or loss, against Michigan in the November 26th finale, uh, that's going to be something. And so I'm already looking forward to that. And 
By the way, shout out to to Illini. They have one of the more underrated fight songs in yes. college football. <laughs> so if if you if you're not familiar with it, fans, look it up. Oski Wow Wow. That is one of my favorite. I actually listened to it earlier today. There's a, a YouTube video where uh, the student group actually kind of sings it a cappella. It's a really cool thing. But man, it just gets me going. And again, I'm a Northwestern guy, so for me to say that. Uh, that speaks to just how great I think it is. So um, those are my thoughts on Illinois. Uh, great season so far, and, and I'm happy for Coach Bielema and more so for Illini fans because suffering through Lovey Smith and Tim Beckman before that and, and the long list of coaches who just did not do anything with the talent and the resources that they had, um, I was scared when they hired Bielema as a Northwestern guy, and it's coming to fruition now. So they're, they're looking pretty good. I, I just had to get your thoughts on that, just just from your perspective. I mean, I live an hour, an hour and 15 minutes away from Champaign. So, I mean, I deal with a lot of an Illinois fans every day, which is which is great. But it, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think that they're very good. I love their defense. I, like you, love the way the brand of football that they play. Yeah. So, so what's it like for, uh, you know, living in Illinois? Are, are Illinois fans, are you starting to hear people talk more about that? Or is it the same old thing that, you know, Chicago and Illinois is really just always going to be a pro sports state and they're more concerned with, you know, um, whether the Cubs or the Bears are doing well or they're looking ahead to Chicago Bulls basketball or the Blackhawks or whatever. Uh, with, with the success Illinois is having, are, are you starting to see more Illinois fans uh, become more vocal and more of the state kind of gravitating towards that? Or is it the same old uh, thing with Illinois fans? No, I, I really believe that there is a really great push behind this team. Uh, yeah. I, I, and it, it's cool to see because they deserve it, for one, for how they're playing. Mm-hmm. But the, the, like their next game this Saturday against Michigan State is going to be a sellout. Which for them, it, that's a huge deal because that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and so, and and I live in Central Illinois, so I'm not so I'm not very far from them. So it, it, yeah. it it's it's an area where there is a ton of support for the Illinois program, but it usually ends up being oh, it's basketball season now. Where right. where it's it's not like that right now. Like I, I firmly believe, and I see it frequently, like. The state is behind this team, and it's cool to see. Yeah. No, it is cool. And, you know, there's the other thing I like, too, is this is a team that there's nobody chirping off. Uh, You don't see them jawing with other players. They just go about their business, and especially head coach Brett Bielema. And I know he's kind of, you know, he's made some enemies in previous stops, you know, at uh, Wisconsin and at Arkansas. But he seems like he, he realizes what he needs to do and what this team needs to do. And so they're really just quietly trudging along and racking up win after win after win. And, you know, I know I hear Illinois fans get really sick about this. But, man, if they could have just stopped Indiana, a man. bad Indiana team, yeah. on that final drive. I mean, to have Illinois undefeated. I'm curious how high they would be ranked as an undefeated team. I still don't think that the national media would put them in the top six or seven. I still think that they would probably be, you know, anywhere from eight to maybe ten being mm-hmm. an undefeated team. 
Um, but nonetheless, how cool would it have been to see that you have three undefeated teams in the Big Ten, and um, you know that didn't include Wisconsin, it didn't include Iowa, it didn't even include PJ Flex, Minnesota Gophers. So, absolutely. As always, I got to thank you so much for joining me. It's always a blast talking with you. Yeah, and I appreciate it, Bobby. I, I know we've been on for a while here, and I know that we could keep talking and keep talking, but um, you know, we, we've got lives, and we've got uh, you know, I don't want to keep you up too late. So I appreciate you having me on, and please know that uh, I would be a, an eager guest anytime that you want to come back. And and likewise, uh, we got to have you on our podcast sometime and cross promote maybe once we get into postseason. So it's been a blast, and I I thank you for that. I appreciate that, and I I will be ready whenever whenever you guys are ready. And let let the listeners know where they can follow you. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at ChappieCFB, and you can follow our podcast, the CFP podcast. It's available on uh, iTunes and Spotify, and basically anywhere where you can get uh, podcasts listened to. And uh, it's it's what I love. It's what I know, and I, I appreciate it, Bobby. Always. And as always, my listeners, thank you so much for the support that you guys give me. Have a good night. God bless.